Thank you all for coming. I'm Glynis Trailnash. I'm the fashion editor of The Australian, and I'm very happy to be here again in my hometown to host another fabulous fashion forum. We have a few things to acknowledge first. We would like to acknowledge the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation, who are the traditional owners and custodians of this land that we are meeting on today. Thank you also to our presenting partner, AMP Capital and Karen Up and Garden City Shopping Centres, and also to Central Park for this great venue. This is, I think, the third venue I've been in, and it's just keep getting better. Also, the Fashion Council of WA, which runs the forum, is a not-for-profit. So please join up. You know, it's up to them to represent, champion and promote the fashion and creative industries in WA. And to become a member, you can just head to fashioncouncil.com.au slash memberships. Um, and you may notice there are only three of us on the panel this evening. We had a very late cancellation. Unfortunately, Hannah is very unwell, cannot make it along tonight. So you have us. So I will try and give more than my two cents worth, if required. But we do have two wonderful speakers this evening. Ambra Madalena Fasati. There we go. <laughs> I'm to remember my Italian pronunciation. Is the head designer of Ambra Madalena Swimwear and has lived and travelled extensively throughout Italy. Her mixed Australian and Italian heritage has enabled her brand Ambra Madalena to be the perfect mixture of Australian beach and Italian style sensibilities. She studied fashion design at the European Institute of Design in Milan, also worked at Rush magazine in Sydney and completed, because she's an overachiever, <laughs> uh, completed a double degree in broadcasting and journalism at Edith Cowan University. So I probably need to worry about losing my job too. <laughs> and they're all, they're all too young on this panel tonight, by the way, too young and too overachieving for my liking. Angeline Lloyd is a social entrepreneur from Perth and is a creator of the Love Thread Project. This was started in 2014 and was initially evolved from a blog which she will tell us about very soon and she wanted to sort of have more influence in the world. So now it serves as a multifaceted collaborative platform to educate, restore and empower women at risk in developing countries through fashionable and creative ventures. So through her story and influence in the fashion industry, she's an advocate for female empowerment and is interested in social and ethical sustainable future. Welcome both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Now I'm going to do an individual Q&A uh, to start and then we'll bring everyone together before we open it up to the panel. Angeline, I wanted to start with you. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about how you started the Love Thread project? Because it did evolve from a previous blog that you were doing and it's yeah. evolved into something kind of completely different. Yeah, well, it's been a really interesting journey. So I sort of fell into blogging while I was studying mass communications at university <laughs> as well. I really loved it. And um, Perth Fashion Festival actually gave me my first break. I got involved in Restyle Project. I'm not sure if many of you are aware of Restyle. It's a really great initiative, which is helping bloggers to get connected with other not-for-profit organizations and really championing up shopping. And then that's when my love of fashion sort of grew and also my love for social change as well. So I was blogging for two to three years. I was actually nominated for Best Blogger of the Year as well when I was blogging. So that was really cool, really exciting. But then I realized, although blogging is awesome, and it's great to get free clothes, you know, like get to go to awesome events, you know, work with, together with, you know, different organizations and work together with different brands as well. I realized what I really, really wanted to do in life is to make a difference. And I thought... Well, what can a girl from Perth do to make a difference? We're, you know, one of the most isolated city in the world. And I actually started university, but I never finished it because I get so anxious whenever I do my assignment. Who feels me? Sometimes it feels like that when you have to, like when you have a deadline and you just got to finish it. But then I just have this passion for social change and I realized what am I going to do about it? I said that I want to make a difference in the world and I have this platform, I have this blog and I have this Instagram account and for some reason people want to follow me. So I thought, like, okay, that's great. I have an audience already. So yeah, I sort of like put two and two together. I put my love for fashion and turned it into a platform for social change. And as I go into it further, I realized not just for any social change, I want to make sure this is a platform for women to realize their worth, women to feel like they're accepted, that they too can make a difference in the world. Because as I was younger, I felt unworthy, we felt unloved, and we felt we're not good enough. doesn't matter how we look, you know, what's our weight or however we look, but we always have that feeling that we're not good enough. So I felt, okay, I want to be that voice of a difference. If I want to do this, I can use my blog to be a positive change in the fashion industry and just put my two cents in. So that's how Love Your Project started. 
Can you explain what it is and who you're working with mostly? Because you divide time now between Perth, Bali and Melbourne. So what are you sort of doing in each of those places and what sort of little project are you focusing on in each? So I love the project started as an initiative last year and it started here in Perth. So I just sort of told my friends in the fashion industry, I fancy there are models, bloggers, and fashion designers, and just like, hey, can we just get together and create events to help out women in Bali? I mean, I love Bali. I mean, who doesn't? It's a beautiful place. But when every time I go there for a holiday, I realize that there's this dark side of Bali that we sort of turn a blind eye on, you know, like whenever I go to Kuta or even Semina, I just see all of this like children on the streets and they're begging and as a human being your heart is just like no like you know I believe these kids can have a better future it just makes me feel about myself because I am originally from Indonesia and I was so blessed to be able to come to Perth you know Australia the land of opportunities and I thought like what's the difference between me and these kids and I realized it's opportunities and I want to give the same opportunities to these kids so when I was in Bali I started volunteering for a youth organization and their dream is to restore hopes for young kids in Bali to have a better life and a better future. But they didn't have a fashion. They have music, art, and dance, but they don't have anything to do with fashion. So I just started going there twice a year and just like volunteer to do fashion styling. That's sort of how it grows from then. And I realized like, okay, I can actually make this happen. And I spoke to my friends and like, let's do these events here in Perth, these fashion events. And the profits from that, we can actually help out these kids in Bali. So last year, I actually went there every month when Love Card Project started and just to do different fashion workshops for the girls over there we want to bring healing through fashion because a lot of the girls that we work with they have overcome the worst in life a lot of them have been abused victims of abuse and survivors of human trafficking and sex trafficking as well so they love fashion you know when we go over there and i've brought some of my friends i'm here from perth and we just do some makeup workshop styling workshop and makes them feel gorgeous. It makes them feel beautiful about themselves. So yeah, that's how it all started. And what about Melbourne? There are um, things going on in Melbourne at the yeah, moment as well. Yeah, so I've actually moved to Bali the beginning of the year. So now I've come back for an exciting program. So I got chosen out of 400 applicants here in Australia for Young Social Pioneers program. And it's sort of like an accelerator program where, yeah, they just choose people that have a huge passion for social change and that wants to truly make a difference in the world through their own spheres of influence. Wow. Yeah, it's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Not a little much to take in. Um, So where did the interest for this kind of ethical advocacy come in? Well, to be honest, when I started blogging, I thought it was so cool for brands to give me free clothes all the time. Well, I felt special. It's like, ooh, free clothes, I don't have to buy clothes. But then I started realizing... Okay, for bloggers, as influencers, we get given free clothes and some of us actually get paid money to post these photos and depends on how many followers you have, but the standard is between $100 to over $1,000. And then I realized if we as the ambassadors, as the influencers get this much money, how much money are actually people that are making these clothes? And I did some research and I watched the movie The True Cost as well. And that really blew my mind. And I saw that really the dark side of fashion. Like, and how could us as a consumer be okay wearing something that makes us feel good, but it's actually killing people in some parts of the world. And I just, as a human being, I just, I can't be okay with that. I knew I have to do something about it. Mm, which is excellent. Now, you help women at risk in Indonesia. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? And so, like, literally, how many people are in a group, for example, that you would work with at a time? So, so far, we have had around 40 girls from the poorest villages in Bali that we're working with. They come from like different walks of life. A lot of them are survivors of human trafficking because we're working very closely with the human trafficking network in Bali. And I know it sounds crazy because Bali seems so beautiful. You know, you hear human trafficking and sexual exploitation in countries like Thailand or Cambodia, but Bali really falls under the radar. It's because of the social stigma over there. And there's there's not much that's being done. And my project is actually pioneering in the human trafficking network at the moment. There's no one that's doing what we're doing in terms of advocating empowerment, restoration, and also educating the public and also the girls of the dangers of human trafficking over there. So yeah. So when you say the networks, I mean, are there specific charities that you're working with 
over there. Yes. So we've got the youth centre. Yes, and we're working with locals, so we're focusing and working with like local organisations because we realise that's where the real change, you know. We don't want to come in and offering a band-aid solution of what we think the Western society or the Western world thinks what's best for them. So we work with the local organisations and we also work with World Relief, which is an international organisation as well. So you do collaborate with a lot of like-minded people, including a network of friends that you have. Yeah. How do you involve them in the projects and what benefits does that have for everybody? When I told my friend, when I pitched them the idea, it's like, hey, I've got this really cool idea. It sounds crazy, but what do you think? Like, would you be keen to get involved in what I'm doing? And all of them said, of course, you know, because I realized each one of us, we all believe that in this world, it's not just about us. It's about the bigger picture. And a lot of people want to make that difference, but they just don't know how. So when I pitched them with the idea and they realized that they can actually use what they love the most, which is like fashion or is creativity or whatever it is or even with their business straight away they're like I, I want to do it because a lot of people have this idea if I want to make a difference in the world I've got to go to Africa and build a church or a house or a school you know but for a lot of us we don't have the time you know to do it a lot of us have families or even we don't even have the money to do it but this idea of love for project is using what you have using what you have right now with the influence that you have right now so that's what we're advocating so we're telling them you know money would be great you know but that's not the solution of the problem we just really want to empower the power own community to just rise up and be their own difference so we just ask them like what do you have to offer and a lot of creatives they don't have money but they have skills so we ask them to come on board so last year we've partnered with a lot of hairdressers makeup artists that actually came to bali to do a workshop for the girls themselves and we have a lot of fashion designers as well and last year we also for them who couldn't come to Bali, we have workshops here in Perth where we open up the space for people that have been in the industry for a while to share with budding entrepreneurs, people that want to get into the industry. That it's hard, but you know, it's possible. So through that, they feel like they're also giving back and 100% of the profits from those workshops go back to the program in Bali. So it is kind of like when you're networking here, it is very much like you're helping the local people with their own careers here yeah. and networking here and then that fundraising money to be part of that goes to the... Yeah, to, to the, the program yeah. that we do in Bali, yeah. yes. Great. So last year at the Fashion Festival, you had your fashion label. Yes. Now, what is happening with that now? And how? Because it, it doesn't operate in the sense of a normal fashion label, as yeah. I understand. So not really, because I feel like there's so many amazing labels out there, amazing designs, and they're all my friends. And I really don't want to sort of steal their their clients. Um, and so I thought, okay, wouldn't it be cool to actually do this in a collaborative way? Because we can't really make a difference by ourselves. We need everyone to get on board. So I thought this fashion label could act as a collaborative platform for existing designers to collaborate with us to create an ethical and sustainable capsule collection. And the reason why we just want capsule collection is because we just want this as a stepping stone for the designers to realize like, hey, they can make a difference to their brands. Because it's really hard trying to scrap everything you're doing for your business. Like, you know, you've built that for a long time. But a small difference, that's what it takes. So we've actually collaborated with Wild Horses. I'm actually wearing one of Natalie's design. <laughs> Natalie Donovan is an amazing designer from WA. I've been a big fan of her for such a long time. And I said, hey, Nat, would you like to collaborate with us, this is what we're doing, and she said yes straight away. And so how it works is she would design the collection for us, but we would create it. So we work together with a home-based production in Bali that we can work with them, help them with, because there's no big factories in Bali. A lot of them are home-based designers, but these home-based designers are exploited by big companies in Australia. I've heard stories myself how like brands that you know, some of the brands that you would actually wear are exploiting some workers in Bali. And I thought it's like, it'll be cool to actually work with them and get them involved with what we're doing because by them creating this garment with us, they're actually also helping the girls part of our program. So then because you're on the ground there quite a bit, you can... Yeah and you're working with them, you can very much see their conditions, you can see how it's being produced, how they're being paid and looked after and being paid properly to do so. Is that 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's the reason because I love Fashion Revolution mm. and their campaign with Who Made My Clothes. We really want people to wear one of our designs, our collection. We want them to feel like, hey, I'm a world changer by just wearing these clothes. You know, like I've actually made a difference in this world because I know who made this clothes. Like if I want to, I can actually go to Bali and get in contact with the designer and meet the workers. And it's like, hey, these people made my clothes and I've actually contributed to the quality of life as well because we're very selective with the people we work with and we want them to feel like they are making a difference in the world and they can just start small and so yeah we work very closely with how they make the clothes and the quality of the garment and also helping them to create a safe working environment the thing is it's really hard to just go over there it's like demand them it's like okay this is what we want you know and this is how it should be to make it ethical but it's a slow process and since I've been there something that I have really realize that there's a lot of social stigma when you work with people in developing countries. You can't just force your values on them. You have to work together with them to create these changes. And I realized that making a change in the fashion industry is more than just us as a consumer. It's also working with creating the clothes. And so when you're working with women at risk in Indonesia, how far do you see your responsibility going how much can you do and how much more do you want to do? Uh, I, my dream is like our goal as an organization is to end the exploitation of women. I think if I can put it in one sentence, that would be it. And I feel like that's where we're heading towards. You know, we would love to see modern slavery just to be gone. I feel personally like, how can I be okay living in this country or place where, you know, I can just go to a cafe and get whatever I want. I can get like avocado on toast, you know. <laughs> and and just, never buy a home if you read the yes, Australian. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like I could, you know, do so much more. And that's as an organization and as a social enterprise, that's what we want to do. We want to see real change. And fashion is just one aspect of it. And look, the label is one thing, but we want to expand. And that's why I'm doing this program. They really challenge us to create different revenue streams because obviously not-for-profit is great, but it's not really sustainable. You know, to just like ask money from people, it's not empowering. It's just asking for handouts, but we want to create a sustainable community, not just in Bali, not just with the girls that we're working with, but also with the people who makes the clothes for us. Because with the people who makes the clothes, we would love to see them to expand their business. You know, we would love to see them learn more about the how to make clothes because a lot of them are not educated. So we, we want to see education to be improved with the girls that we're working with, also with the makers of our clothes, and also for the consumers that's how we use social media as well and influencers because we believe that the fashion industry can be such a positive influence in the world and that's what we're striving towards and then with the label itself the profits from the label obviously you've got running costs and everything but then do you put profits back into the programs and that kind of thing is that how that yeah works? so 100 percent from the net profits goes back to the program because this is not about just having a business because it's more about making a true change but how to make that change sustainable. And what's for you been the biggest challenge? Oh, a lot. <laughs> in a fairly challenging environment. Oh, yes. It's, it's hard. I mean, working with women that have gone through so much trauma in their life, it's challenging in itself. Like hearing their stories and how heartbroken they are. But at the same time, they have the zest for life. You know, they truly are passionate about achieving their dreams so that's great but it's still challenging working with them and hearing stories like that and as myself like you know I, I speak about this very openly because I believe in the why you know like why do we do the things that we do and my why is because I came from a similar traumatic background so I feel like it's challenging to even start this in the beginning but I feel like you know, if you really know why you do things that you want to do, if you truly are connected to your reason, as much as it is challenging, it's also empowering because you know that this is not about me. This is not about me um, being on a newspaper or being picked as like one of the young social pioneers in Australia, but it's about we're changing the lives that are affected by this, the women and the girls that we can empower. Because at the end of the day, if there can be just one girl felt really empowered and realized that she too can make a difference, my job is done. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank mm. you so much. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tell us a little
little bit about yourself and how you came to be launching a swimwear label mm-hmm. in your short time on this earth. <laughs> so old, but I can't even. It, um, it's sort of been quite a long process. I had meant to actually launch it a year ago, but I sort of had a traumatic break-off and I just couldn't deal. I just couldn't, could not deal with life and I decided to postpone it and just sort of work on my mental health, which was just heartbroken. And Exactly. And so I went travelling and I graduated from my broadcasting degree and my heart wasn't in that. Whereas I love writing and doing photography and all that sort of stuff, I just knew myself I couldn't do a nine-to-five and sit behind the desk and just write the story. So I've always loved, always had a passion for fashion. (laughs) (laughs) But um, when I went to Milan, when I studied the styling there, it wasn't what I loved. Like Half my wardrobe is from the op shop or vintage stores and, you know, I have some great expensive pieces and what have you. I love to mix it, whereas they were really focused on solely wearing a Gucci outfit or what have you which is great but it wasn't what I loved yeah. so I was so conflicted because I was like oh god maybe I don't love this fashion stuff so much and I was so confused and then when I had my tough year I was like I just want to be happy I just want to do what I love and I do really love fashion and so Umbra Maddalena was born well the reason I called it Umbra Maddalena is because I hope to in the future branch out into clothing but I don't have a pattern making background and I didn't want to waste time and money making random samples and you know I just wanted and I loved swimwear I knew it was a good place to start because I can adapt designs and I would measure my fit model and have that all done and I just knew it was a good place to start instead of starting with like pants so I'd be like oh, I don't know like it's close to the floor and that's all I know so and then when they're quite compact collections I guess in the sense for swimwear right yeah well this one I've had 10 designs yeah. It's just gone so fast. Like, I launched one month ago and it's just taking off, which is really exciting. Which is great. <laughs> and why a sustainable swimwear company? I, I knew it had to be something different because it seems like every day there's a new swimwear brand. And I was really apprehensive. I was really scared to start it because I didn't just want to be another swimwear label. And I really wanted to make sure that my brand did have a point of difference and I wanted it to be as sustainable as I could make it. You know, whether that be, well, my, you know, my business cards are made from recycled T-shirts, um, <laughs> which is really cool. They're very nice business cards. I've all attested that too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, where, wherever I could help it to be sustainable, I wanted to. Yeah. And my manufacturer, you know, approached me with, with Econile, the, the recycled nylon. And it, for me, it was just a no-brainer. Yeah. It was just one extra thing that I could do to make my brand as sustainable as possible and the response from the public has been amazing. Tell us a little bit about Econile and its company Aquafil that creates it because mm. it's a great story and there are some very good brands who <laughs> already use this company and yeah. this particular product. Um, so they are an Italian company, Aquafil, and they create lots of different fibres from recycled materials. So Econile is the recycled nylon, which is majority made from recycled fishing nets or ghost nets, which is what you see you know, in some images where a dolphin or any sort of marine life is caught up and they end up dying, suffocating. So the majority made from the recycled fishing nets. And Aquafil have some great initiatives where, you know, they either get divers to dive down and physically collect the nets or they have a healthy seas initiative where they get people to coastal villages to collect the fishing nets and they sell it back to the company. So they create lots of different fibres, as I was saying. So the e-canals for the nylon, mainly swimwear. Then they have other fibres for activewear, regular clothing. So that they're a really cool company. Yeah. yeah, I notice they do. They have a lot of swim and activewear brands. They on there. do. And what the fabric for you to work with? What's it like? It's virtually well. It is a regular nylon product because nylon has a never-ending life cycle. So it's pretty much just like a virgin product. So the hand feels amazing. It's so yeah. soft. It's a little bit tauter than a regular brand new product, but I think that works better for everyone in the long run because yeah. it sucks you all in and doesn't <laughs> sag so yeah it's good. so where do you manufacture i manufacture in bali but when i go there i it's actually really nice because they're a great manufacturer and you know everyone you know seems to be happy and you know they do work really long hours and i really appreciate what you said about not imposing your culture on you know onto them because you know they have their way of working and you know they do work so hard but we have a really great relationship myself and the team because like I think they understand that I appreciate that they do work so hard and yeah I really love them you know they just want to make you know their clients happy and they have this cute little sign off on their board that says like we're working for you you know please talk to us with respect and that sort of makes me sad because obviously that means someone hasn't, someone hasn't. <laughs> and all they want to do is just work so hard and make sure you get the product that you want I'm glad I 
I work for them. And so they introduce you to Aquafil. Yeah. And how do you keep tabs on it all, though? Like, have yeah. you been over to the manufacturing? I haven't yet, but when I go to Europe next year, I, I would really love to because it's just outside of Milan and yeah. that's where my family's from. So I would really love to go and just because part of the contract is that you have to, and I'm yet to do it, you have to sort of get the numbers from how it's impacting, what's the impact of your swimwear versus other products. And I would really love to go and just check it out. You've got to send them a sample of each style so they know that their quality is high and yeah, oh, wow. So they're as invested in the final product. Yep. And if you That's hold any event where you're talking about them or they send you flyers, they send you everything. They want people to be really involved in the company. And yeah, they're, they're really involved and they're really proud to have people use their product. Yeah. So they've got a page on the website of every single brand that uses their products. It's they're a really cool company. So in terms of Trying to set up a sustainable business is so hard because there are so many elements. I mean, I've spoken mm. to so many brands over the years and they're like, yeah, you don't realise how unsustainable so many elements of fashion are. It's from the plastic packaging that your pieces arrive in. It's to your mm. coat hangers. It's your press studs. It's your zips. I mean, when I spoke to Kit Willow when she launched Kit X, the level of scrutiny that label went under before she launched it. Like she was sitting there saying, you know, these buttons, these used to be casings on the ground in Cambodia and someone collects these and they melt them down and make buttons out of them. Mm. I mean, it's, and again, zips from fishing nylon and all that kind of thing. So it's hard. It's hard. And so a lot of brands do look, you know, like Kit's an exception because she really has, I think it's probably as sustainable as you could be as a brand. But a lot of others I know are like, look, we're trying to do bit by bit by bit our goal is to be completely sustainable. So how do you, what compromises, I guess, do you have mm. to make? And especially because you've yeah. only just started, so fair yeah. cop that you're already doing amazing <laughs> by the way. I think for me, because I have just started, I'm learning everything mm. as I go along. It's actually not to look at the big picture and be like, if you think about the ocean and you think about what's in it, it becomes too overwhelming. Yeah. And for me, what I need to look at is each part of my brand and make sure that each part that I can control of the supply chain is sustainable. Like I was saying, you know, mm. the business cards, my swing tag, are cardboard and the string is cotton and my swimwear comes in a cotton bag and then you know there's other things like the adjusters you know it is much cheaper to get obviously the plastic rings but I was like no that just besides the point so and then I've got to order you know metal ones which cost more in the end of the day but you know that's the price that you know you have to pay and then I also get my manufacturer normally each piece does come in those little plastic bags but I ask my manufacturer to not do that so it makes a lot more work for me when it lands in Australia but you can't have a thousand pieces of swimwear wrapped in plastic you just go straight in the bin so I'm happy to do that extra work and those sort of things you really need to think about because the only thing that I'm having trouble with is like the sending like when I'm sending stuff to people it comes in the plastic bag and I was like oh I don't know why. <laughs> so, so don't, I, that's the one thing I'm just not sure about, like yeah. I don't know how I get around that. But yeah. unless I personally deliver, but that's you know. yeah, <laughs> tough, tough, very tough, um, and expensive. Were you surprised how many different things you were trying to check off the list? When you started, like, um, did you realise before you sort of really put it in motion? I don't think I realised how you know much extra work it was going to be. For me, it was like, oh yes, you know, the main fabric is recycled. Cool. Then that does mean everything else has to be either you know recycled or. But like, it actually doesn't bother me. Like, I'm so proud that like yeah. my brand is like made from the ghost nets yeah. because like I come across images all the time and just to see the animals trapped, just like. Yeah. I don't know, I'm just like, I'm trying, what I try and get across to my like consumers is like just to be conscious of what you're buying. Like whether it be, I did a story on my Instagram like a few months ago and I went to the supermarket and I was like, look at this vegetable versus look at this vegetable. And it was like a cucumber wrapped in plastic and the one not wrapped in plastic. And what I'm trying to get people to understand and just think about is like, you don't need to hit the one wrapped in plastic. Yeah. And just those really small things can just get people thinking about something bigger like clothing. And that is where I'm really passionate about, just getting people to be conscious consumer. Yeah. What advice would you have to either a new designer Mm. wanting to go down this route or even an existing designer who Mm. wants to change elements of their business? What would your advice to them be? Um, Probably just take each aspect and just do as best you can with what you have available to you because maybe one season you can't afford to order the metal clasps because I have like debossed clasps and everything and and that costs a lot of money and I've been really fortunate I've had my family being able to back me with this so you know but if you know if I was doing by myself I wouldn't so maybe you know one season you might have to do the plastic next season you can afford not to and so I think taking it one step at a time is just the best thing because I think if you 
look at it as I'm going to save the ocean. I think that can be an unrealistic goal. Just take it step by step. Yeah. Yeah. And put those like ethos into your daily practices, like shopping in the supermarket. Yeah. You know, if, if you do those small things, it comes across at the end. That's true. Mm. Now, being based here, mm. is that in terms of trying to do a sustainable business? Mm. I mean, I guess there are challenges for any business anywhere. Obviously, Perth is very isolated. Mm. Are there any difficulties doing a business like this here or are there advantages? I haven't come across many like difficulties, only really sometimes the communication with the manufacturer sometimes can be hard. It is much easier and faster to just go there. But at the same time, you know, that does cost a lot of money. So mm. I want to be across the board about everything with my brand and I want to make sure that the staff are being treated really well because the owner isn't very nice you know the actual owner of the factory and that hurts me sometimes when I hear how he speaks to them and you know I've been thinking like oh because I know another lady who has a children's fashion line she created a crate within her manufacturer and so so I didn't really answer the question but (laughs) but yeah it is difficult sometimes because you want to you want to be there for the people because you have a really yeah Yeah. I feel like I have a special relationship with them and it's difficult when you know that like you know they can be spoken to badly or Yeah. yeah are there any brands out there that you particularly admire for what they're doing in this realm yes um I love Reformation. They're an LA-based brand. They um, actually use dead stock fabric and they recreate cool designs Mm. and just resell it and they offset their carbon footprint and I just think they're really cool. They Mm. um, buy dead stock denim and old jeans and just reshape them and they're really cool. I actually would like to do something similar in the future, (laughs) not one month after I've walked. I think think we can give you that slack just quietly. Um, So do you think, as I hope, that this sort of stuff is going to become a given eventually? I definitely think there has been a big shift. Like you can tell people feel a bit guilty sometimes Mm. that they haven't used their keep cup or they haven't brought their like, you know, what have you. And I I really think it is like, I just think it's, it's silly to choose not to know and just choose to stay ignorant about everything. And Mm. like I said before, I want people to be a conscious consumer. Yeah. I definitely can see it, even with my close friends. Yes, we're going to come on to your age group very soon. (laughs) But what future plans do you have for the brand? You mentioned fashion also as part of it. I actually look up to Zimmerman as a business model because they – I just find their growth and their impact amazing. They were selling just handmade bikinis at the markets and now they're – huge and oh, it's <laughs> I just like if I could wear one brand it would just be Zimmerman then for the rest of my life but you know I, I look up to them and you know I'm, I'm in no rush because yeah. I if I'm lucky I would love for this to be yeah. my life career yeah. so I'm in no rush to get there but I would love to you know even start thinking about clothing within the next three years I would love to start introducing pieces and and that's why I didn't that's why I called my brand Umbra Mandalena yeah. because I, I was just like it's gonna be international <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's what you've got to uh, – hello, you've got to think big. Yeah. Um, but it's actually interesting. Zimmerman is probably the best – honestly, if I had to pull one brand in this country out as yeah. the most interesting, successful business model we have, I would have to say it's Zimmerman. I find they have, what, nearly 30 years it's taken them mm. and they got international backing last year and it's yeah, they're it's amazing. like this. Yeah. It's, it just keeps growing mm. and the headquarters in New York is pretty nice, I won't mm. lie. Mm. <laughs> they have, and you know, every time you say to Nikki, so you know what's the plan? She's going, this is a family business, you know, which is not to say maybe, you know, yeah. you never know their future plan, but she's like, look, it's a family business and we've been doing this for 30 years and we're not in any mood to leave it. Yeah, you know? no, I, don't, I don't see why they yeah. would. No, <laughs> they're gunning it. So thank you. That's yeah, okay. Thanks for Amazing. So I want to open it to both of you now, and you, we sort of started on this. Do you think consumers have become more aware of sustainable fashion? Yeah, definitely. I would think so. I wasn't aware at all. I was one of those girls who loved sales. Harvard Town, or what is it, Watertown now, was like my go-to destination. Like I used to just be there every lunchtime, which is really bad. And but then since I've watched the true cost, you know, and be, actually being in a fashion industry, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't justify myself buying something for ten dollars you know like 20 dollars like i'm actually doing a challenge for myself at the moment i'm actually not buying anything new for a whole year i made it to november guys wow yeah That's, that's, good. So, that's pretty good. So I guess, you know, if, if you're educated, I think education is key. If you're educated and, and you're surrounded by people who cares as well. Mm. And I started following a lot of bloggers that are in the ethical fashion scene and started like following these different brands as well. I was like, no, 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 it could happen. Mm. Do you think consumers care enough? I think yes. they want to think they do, but I think 
you know, if it came down to it, there was like, for example, say my swimwear on the rack, you know, that might be a bit more expensive versus something that's cheaper. Like, I think at the end of the day, they want to be like, yeah, I do want that, but like, but I think I'm just going to go mm. for this cheap one. But I think it really does have to come down to your personal... Can you go to sleep at night? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right. What, yeah. What, sort of, what sort of impact do you want to leave? Yeah. I think it does come down yeah. to... I think that does take time. Like, yeah. even myself, like, you know, I started this brand and everything was sustainable, and but I only bought a keep cup, like, six months ago. Mm. And now I don't... I would never go out without it. But, yeah. you know, I think it does take time. I think it takes people time to realise, like... But it's, it's trending at the moment as well, you know, to be sustainable, to be ethical, mm. to be like a conscious consumer. Back then, everyone just eats whatever they want to eat. But now, it's, you know, there's like all of these different diets. And when I was living in Bali, I was a vegan for some reason because everyone is a vegan over there. <laughs> They're all vegetarian. And you just start to think because it's everywhere. And I think fashion is on the rise. And it's awesome seeing different brands and even like, you know, big brands. They're jumping on the bandwagon to make things ethical. Like H&M, mm. when they're doing their green, program as well you know brands are listening because mm. we're asking for us as a consumer like we want to see change not just in the industry but for the people making it as yeah. well and we were talking about gucci earlier who have mm. banned fur from next season and also have been donating to their girls empowerment fund i can't remember the actual name of it so those fur sliders are probably going to be shielding from now on i'm guessing <laughs> or they're going to get rid of them <laughs> Entirely. But, um, I mean, what an interesting question. Do you think in this realm people are more driven by the backstory, by the fact that something is ethical or sustainable, or by the design? I think maybe the backstory, because the thing about my brand is that I want people to love it without having to know that it is made with mm. a sustainable product. Mm. And I have been approached by a lot of eco brands to collaborate, but I really want people to know you can be like super fashionable, super trendy with being eco at the same time. Mm. Because I think a lot of eco brands, just to generalize, but have that sort of hippie sort of yeah. vibe going on. Yeah. Like, yeah, the <laughs> hemp, and, and that's not my brand at all. I really want to make sure that my brand is like really chic and fashionable, and people are like, that is really cool. I want it. And then for them to know that yeah. it's made of, you know, a sustainable product is a bonus yeah because so. in a sense and it's, it's kind of design driven then in a sense so you're kind of yeah. getting them in with the design yeah in the backstory because certainly kit was always saying you know mm. what i just want this to be really covetable fashion mm. i want it to be fashion i want people to absolutely want that brand and that will drive then that interest mm. in this yeah. world and the fact that, oh, we can get great design. Because mm. yeah. it did have such a bad rap for so long. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think design is definitely really important. If you have a great product, regardless of the backstory, people are going to buy it. And then, like you said, you know, if people start hearing about it, it's like, oh, it's actually ethical or sustainable. It's actually, you know, like funding an orphanage in, in Africa. Like, people love that. And that's why, you know, the Thank You group, they have a really great business model because it's a great product. And at the same time, it's like saving lives. And you as a consumer, we were like, oh, guys, I'm a change maker. That's awesome. And that's what every business should be, right? Like, mm. you know, it should be conscious, not just social entrepreneurs, but like mm. every business. They thank you were a sponsor at my launch party. That's and awesome. I read their chapter one book and like, it just inspired me. Like, yeah. I can't even tell you so much <laughs> to follow my dreams. And I emailed them and I was like, I was like, I know I'm like nothing right now, but your book just inspired me so much. And I want to pass that on to my guests that are coming to my launch. And I was like, yeah, we love that. Like, our story can only be passed on by people that like you that are so passionate about our cause. And I was yeah. just like, that's oh, awesome. I'm so happy. <laughs> Daniel Flynn just uh, met up with Obama in yes, America. Yes, it's on that. his Instagram. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's just like they just started from really small as well. You know, they didn't know what they were doing, but they just have this desire to make a difference. Mm. And have you heard of Caster Black as well? No. Caster Black, it's a nail polish company from Melbourne. They are incredible. They started with just, she saw a gap in the market where there is not like a, I think, homemade nail polish brand and she just wants to start it. And now I think she won um, Telstra Business of, yeah, of the Year because um, she spoke in one of our programs. And yeah, and it's vegan as well. She started seeing a gap in the market of like, and there's no one creating product and like what she wants to. And then she says like, wait a second, like I want it to be better. I want it to be sustainable and, you know, it helps the environment as well. So now it's vegan as well. And now she also helps out a charity. So it just, it snowballs into something bigger, which is amazing to see. Mm. Now we sort of touched on the Gucci's and the H&M's of the world. World. And then we've got like you guys doing this kind of startups and gra grassroots kind of thing. Where do you think the change is most interesting? Do you think it needs to come from those big brands? Or do you think there is this groundswell movement that is going to feed up? 
I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. Well, I think Mixed in the middle. Yeah, I think like if people see like, you know, old fashioned houses like Gucci doing something really cool, you know, like banning the fur, Nike and Adidas using all this sustainable stuff, and then they see small brands doing the same thing, they're like, We can only just get on board with this because yeah. I think the momentum is just going to continue just so so strongly like and I think I came on board at a really good time like because for me I just wanted to do it anyway and yeah. it wasn't like a PR movement or anything like that I just wanted it to do that for me and the response has been amazing I would say it starts with an individual actually I mean it's great to have like both I think we're the one that drives change you know like from fashion revolution it was just like a, a group of like-minded people in the fashion industry just really really passionate about seeing change in their industry and they started it's just a group of friends that come together and start championing you know they start a social media campaign that's now worldwide and I feel like imagine if each one of us within our own spheres of influence do that we can definitely get the attention of the big brands because that's why a lot of the consumers need to be conscious they need to be educated education is number one if they're educated we can you know start Asking for change, real change for the big brands. It is among, you know, millennials and the like that this is really becoming a huge thing. Yeah. I mean, thanks to social media as well, you know, like I feel like everyone can start a campaign. Anyone can start a campaign, you know, and start from a hashtag that you can actually see real change happens. And that's a beautiful thing about our generation. That we are advocates of change. You know, we see a problem and we can't just sit still and wait for our parents to do it or our politicians to do it. Like, we have this tool of social media in our hands. We have a phone, we have Facebook, Instagram, and we just want to see real change happen. And that's why now, like, a lot of social entrepreneurs are are people under 35, you know, because they want their businesses to actually make a difference in the world. It's actually making big businesses change their minds as well when in a part of our program... A lot of the sponsors are the PwC, you know, like NIB, like all of these big organizations, big companies. And they're actually starting to hire young people to create a difference in their business. And they start hiring young people to think, okay, you know, what are the voice of the millennials? And like, how can we change our company to do better? How can we actually give back to the community as well? Because yeah, we're that generation. And I feel like media have painted us as this avocado on toast, you know, generation. I I take no responsibility (laughs) for burnt salt. That's all I have to do. You know, we've got the power in our hands through social media to create change. Mm. Now, an interesting thing that has cropped up in the global economy is the share economy, with things like Airbnb, car share, bike share, which the Australian currently has a bit of a beef with. And so sometimes we've seen it doesn't always go to plan, such as with bikes, which are ending up at the bottom of the Yarra River mostly. Yes. Uh, with, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Saw, I saw a bunch piled on a car when I was in Melbourne last, <laughs> and I was like, what is that? So do you think that the share economy can work in fashion because there are some kind of like rental platforms and that kind of thing. Mm. I know a lot of designers I know are very down on it. I, I saw Aurelia Costarella had a big rant about it because yep. um, I friends on Facebook and I saw it and I was like, I totally agree with what he's saying. I, I actually don't really know what my stance is, to be honest, because it sucks for sales because, mm. you know, 10 girls will wear one dress where, you know, you've got one sale versus 10. So it sucks for that, but... I actually don't. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. It's a, it is a, it's a loaded one, actually, I think. Like, you know, I, I've considered, uh, you know, renting a dress, but then I'm like, it's just not fair on the design. I'd be sad if someone rented one of my bikinis right. and yeah. didn't buy it, and I'd be like, oh, cheers. I like, guess bikinis is different, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously no one would <laughs> but when do you have your fashion that, brand, when the yeah, fashion adds yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Obviously no one's going to rent a bikini, but, like, you know, <laughs> same thing. I'd be like, oh, no, just buy it. Yeah. Just like, I guess I'm a no. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts on that one? I don't know. I'd like to advocate yes, because I was a shopaholic and I thought it would be cool to rent dresses. Um, One of my cohort, actually, is part of the program. She's starting this business. It's called Clothes Loop, where she has her own label and it's like an online boutique and she stocks like different labels and people can buy the clothes from her website, but they also have the option after we wear it, the option to put it back on the website for people to exchange from each other. So I thought that's a really clever idea. So it's like, you know, having like your own clothes swap party, but from the same website that sells you the dress. Because a lot of us, when we wear clothes, like you only wear it once, twice, if it's on social media, like once, (laughs) that's it because you don't want to, you know, repeat outfits. So I thought it's really, you know, it could be a solution to the problem without really upsetting the designers because it's at the hand of the consumers themselves. 
I guess, yeah, it's like 50 50, mm. but it would definitely work, and I would be one of those people who would actually use that service. How do you both measure success? That's a great that question. Wasn't, that wasn't in the briefing pack either. <laughs> no, that's okay. For me, I guess success is the level of influence that you have in the world. I always ask myself, like, how far do you want to go? And in, in the business world and even in the fashion world, like you can climb so many ladders, right? But at the end of the day, does it really bring you happiness? And what I ask myself is like, what legacy do I want to live in this world? Like if I say if I die, what do I want to be remembered as or by? Is it by the amount of followers that I have on Instagram? Or is it the equity of my business? Or, or is it me as like a social entrepreneur, as like a successful businesswoman? But at the end of the day, it's about the impact that you have on people that that person did the best that they could to create change in the world you know success meaning for me that if i do this my time in this world is over that i have other people coming you know as my successor in a way and thinking like if she can do it i can do it too and it just keeps going you know the change just keeps going because we can't create change in our lifetime you know that's why we're here for the next generation and i feel like success is influencing and empowering the next generation to make this world a better place and if they can do it through their own spheres of influence and through what they love to do the most I think that's great. I would measure success about measuring how much you have grown within yourself like the last couple of years I have done a lot of work on my mental health and I'm so interested in self-growth and I think if you're happy within and you're always growing as a person that your outward successes can only follow. And so, you know, if I feel successful already, just I'm just proud of myself. If you're, if you're proud of yourself and proud about who you are as a person, then everything else will follow. Too much wisdom on this stage, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we would, should open it up to questions now from the audience. Um, Brad, you were telling me about some of the brands that use Econol, is it? Yep. Your product for your swimwear. Yeah. Um, what are some of those brands? So, yep, there's Adidas, Stella McCartney, Nike, Gucci. There's lots and lots of smaller brands. Face Swim, they're one, and they also get manufactured at the same place that I do. I think Gypsy Swimwear do as well. They're another Perth-based label. They're, they're seriously, they're seriously mm. hundreds. It's really cool. And they all use it in different capacities yeah. as well, um, which is amazing as well. Like Some of the brands, you know, might only use a part of it and, you know, they have other components to the to the clothing or what have you that isn't but you know I think even just using a bit having your name out there that you are want to use more of it I think is really cool yeah, yeah. Kelly Slater's out and own uses it as well yeah I was just going to go and look at the website and read the whole thing but from like working with them with the same company yep. what other um, fabrics do they is it just recycled nylon or other recycled I'm not familiar with the actual components of the other fabrics but they do a lot of different stuff like they actually also make carpet they make lots of random stuff you know and because nylon has a never-ending life cycle and like plastic you know it was created to last forever, but we have only used it once. So, you know, these things are always continuously being reused. So, yeah, so they do active wear, regular clothing, carpets, the swimwear nylon. They're a really cool company. But their website's quite, you know, the, how, if, how they explain the process is quite basic. So I even emailed them and I was like, can I get some more information, you know, about the nitty gritty? And they're like, just please read the website. So I think <laughs> it's quite convoluted and quite extensive. But, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm really proud to be part of that family. Yeah. So, yeah. I like the, the, what you were saying before, that they're so proactive in getting yeah. their word out there and working yep. with you and making sure they're yep. well represented as well. I <laughs> think that's a nice... Yeah, I think they're really proud about what they do also. Yeah. And they, they're really proud about the brands that want to work with them. And Yeah. Um, yeah, the list of brands that, are, that use it is so extensive. Yeah. yeah. Terry, and I'm a lecturer at South Metropolitan TAFE. And uh, I actually, um, one of the units that I teach is sustainability in the fashion industry. So it's something that I'm quite passionate about as well. And so um, my question is towards Angelina. It's more of a statement, really. I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. Oh, thank you. I wish there was more people in the world like you doing what you're doing. <laughs> thank you very much. And I'm just wondering, with the um, manufacturers that you have, are you actively seeking more um, work for those manufacturers in Perth? So are you looking? for maybe young designers or with in my case with new students who are just coming into the fashion industry yeah funny you say that because um, I'm actually developing a new business to do that we're actually in a um, 
process of creating a creative agency for young people or like, you know, entrepreneurs from Australia that wants to create sustainable and ethical like, clothes in Bali. So I would be like acting like the middle person as an agent because like going with what you said, there's like a gap in the market for a lot of Australians that want to manufacture their clothes in Bali. And a lot of it is like, you know, the, the language barrier and, you know, the fact that they have to be there all the time. They don't have the time for it. And also, how do we make sure that it is ethical? Because it is actually impossible at the moment to, you know, to ensure something is fully ethical. But what we can do is to work together with the community and fashion community in Bali to make sure that all the clothes are ethically made and sustainably produced. Because a lot of the times they would lie just so they could get money, so they could get, you know, a job as well. So, yeah, uh, that's one thing that I'm actually working with right now. So I'm working with a lot of different home-based production and to ensure that firstly they are educated because a lot of them aren't like for example to so like with this um, kimono it's very hard to find someone who would do silk because a lot of the times they are not educated to actually create silk because it's a very delicate material and they just they think that they're too stupid to do it, which is heartbreaking. You know, they because a lot of people who just come and to create to manufacture their clothes in Bali are not there for create a sustainable community in the fashion industry over there. They were just there and like, hey, this is what I want to make. But if they say they can't do it, okay, fine, I'll go somewhere who's cheaper and I'll go somewhere who can actually do it rather than developing these workers over there. Yeah, I would love to, you know, if there's any one of your students. So like, I mainly work with um, people that create sustainable garments as well. So like with this, this is like actually uh, non-toxic dye. Actually, I have a lot of contacts in that as well and natural dye as well. So, and we also work together with the community in the fashion industry over there. So I'm very close with them. Fantastic. That sounds great. The other thing I wanted to ask is um, whereabouts, in what area in Bali is the group that you run for the, for the girls and the women? Where in Bali is that? Um, so and do you accept visitors? Yes, that's another thing that we're working on, so that's great. <laughs> we're actually doing an experience program at the moment. It's actually, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've seen the Airbnbs are doing that. It's an Airbnb experience program, and I thought that's another great for, like, revenue for our organization. Um, yeah, so last year we had different people coming and volunteer, but this time we really want to expand that to actually do, like, in a sense, like a volunteerism kind of a thing, but really focusing in the fashion and, like, creative industries. The more the merrier. It would be great to speak to you maybe for your That's students it. to come and help us out yeah, and the I'm area... actually going to Bali for the first time ever next year oh, I must great. be the only person who lives in Perth who's never been to Bali <laughs> never been you have to come and i'd be very interested to come and visit i'd yes. love to have a look so the main program we we were doing it in Krobokan, but at the moment we're taking it into different villages around bali is the west side of bali and there's another village called karang asam as well so that's like we want to sort of instead of uh, focusing on the aftercare because once of the aftercare it's really hard trying to get the girls to you know to release them back to society because of a lot of the trauma that they have overcome so we're going straight to the source and and more about prevention. That's what we're tackling on right now. Yeah, but they, I did. I actually just did one fashion program. It was just, and we did a little um, fashion show and like styling, and they loved it. And they're like, you know, the lady that I was working with in that village, and she still messaged me. It's like the kids still rave about it because they don't get to do that. You know, mm-hmm. no one actually tells them that. Hey, you are beautiful. You know, and or they've never seen makeup before and get to like wear all these clothes. And we actually get a lot of the clothes donated from different labels as well and also a lot of my friends were just like hey I've got a bunch of clothes take it with you to Bali so yeah which is great you you raised the whole thing of sort of the development of the people in Bali and I suppose this kind of goes for all sorts of manufacturing in other places how does that development take place in terms of skill or capacities you know when fashion as much as you would love to kind of say yes I will place production in Bali Mm -hmm. But if the capabilities aren't there or the machinery is not there, you know, as you've yeah. said about this, who is going to build that capacity? How do we build that capacity when sometimes the entrepreneurs probably in the room, we may not have the skills either, mm. you know. Like, so yeah. it's not like I'm a machinist and I can actually train, yes, this is how you're going to use a gathering foot. I don't have the skills. So how is that going to happen? 
So in Bali, I work with three different people. They're professionals with over 20 years' experience. And they told me one of the biggest problems at the moment that they're facing in manufacturing is the lack of skills as well. And it's really hard trying to find workers and also young people that want to go into the industry over there. They have worked really closely with them, so they're the one that I have asked. If there's enough interest, then they're the one that's willing to actually either volunteer or we pay to help the workers to actually, yeah, to upskill. So we do, and, and that's the thing because it is great to have the volunteers from Australia to go over there. You know, for someone to learn skills, it's, if to make it sustainable, it has to be a progress. And that's why we're working very closely with the fashion community in Bali and fashion industry in Bali to create that long-lasting change. And it's also, you know, a relationship between two countries as well that we want to focus on because I know that I have read on the newspaper for how you know a lot of fashion designers in Australia don't want to go to Bali because they feel like it's not sustainable or they feel like they're spending too much money on you know traveling and everything like you're saying it's really hard trying to maintain that relationship and we feel like a lot of Australians go to Bali it's I think I read the stats like last year itself like over three million people go to Bali for holiday and imagine if we can actually build a relationship between the two fashion industry rather than thinking like oh the, the economy in fashion is actually in a downfall in Australia but if we can actually like swap skills or you know something like that it would be really great. Um, so I'm from the charitable recyclers kind of organisations, essentially op shops. So we deal with, once you produce these great sustainable garments, we deal with the mass tonnage of garments at the end of the line. Um, so I'm just wondering, do you guys have any initiatives now or in the future for these garments that you produce in a sustainable way? What's their next chapter, I guess, after somebody's worn them? I was actually thinking about that today because at the moment my brand's like in its infancy and you know, the numbers are quite small, but I expect to have things left over. And I was like thinking, you know, what can I do with the remaining stock? And I was thinking, you know, maybe you can make maybe children's, ba- you know, kids kids bathers or because, you know, kids don't care if something's like out of season or what have you. And, you know, there's enough fabric there to make like, you know, a little you know, pair of something. And so I, I was thinking about that today, actually, you know, what can I do with leftover stock? Because I, I don't, I don't want it to just be left there or, you know, be wasted. And so being able to recycle, I think in what I was saying about reformation, they do that. They you know, they would buy my dead stock or someone else's dead stock and create something from it. So I would definitely like to do that for sure. I think that's a really cool way to reuse it and be sustainable at the same time. Yeah, I think the difficulty, isn't it, is it when it's already had a life with someone, where it goes next. Mm. And, I mean, this is a different thing. It speaks more to what you're, you're talking about. Uh, I've been talking to two initiatives in Sydney recently who deal with end of sort of excess fabric from designers. So there's going to um, an organisation whose name escapes me. My God, that's terrible. But they train refugee women in sewing skills and it's TAFE associate accredited as well. So they put people through that program to help them get work. It also uses up the excess stock from that, for example. Some things, even like Anna from Romance Was Born, had this idea, well, we can, we've got all these really weird little remnants. So let's patchwork stuff. So they're making really simple shapes but it's a really great entry level for people learning sewing skills as well. So that's one thing. And then there's another one where excess stock, the dead stock from brands, is being given to another organisation who then, they kind of have these little shops, closed front shops in a sense, but they work with charities. So again, for refugees, for ex-inmates, for survivors of domestic violence and family violence, that kind of thing. When they're with charities, so whether it's Anglicare or Vinnie's, so they're, they're a non-religious affiliated or anything organisation themselves, but they work with all these charities who have people who need clothes. So they have new clothes. They're all about dignity for these people. So they can go in, they can choose. They have a voucher that they're given by the charity. They go in and they can get a wardrobe, a new wardrobe, that they get to choose new things brands, the labels are all in them still and it's just, so that's just one other project. All these little projects are sort of starting to pop up but that tonnage thing is difficult especially with the blended fabrics because you can't recycle those. We actually do that as well in part of our program so we are starting to get the fashion industry in Bali, but Australian labels in Bali to donate like excess fabrics and we will teach the girls how to like be creative and, and make things out of it. Like one of the girls, she've never sewn before, like properly sewn, but she actually made a top and a bottom from an excess fabric in our program, which is amazing to see. I think I cried when I see that. I felt like a very proud mom because, you know, it's like when you truly 
allow them to dream and they just dream even bigger. So we're actually making different things as well, um, like bandanas, because like in Bali it gets really hot and you need to like cover your mouth, you know, when you go on a motorbike. Yeah, so like we make like all of these little things that we can find from the excess fabrics. I've got a question for you both. Where do you see your businesses in five years' time? Where would you like them to, to be at? I would love it to be, you know, in, in stores internationally. And that's what I'm actually planning on doing next year. So what I am doing is creating a never-ending summer campaign. So because it's always summer somewhere and I don't to sort of relieve that sort of dead stock, I'm going to have it available for our summer and the European summer because, you know, my brand is only really known, but, you know, it's like me and my friends and, and, you know, a couple of extra people. And, And so it's just... Everyone knows it now and, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be old in six months' time. But, I, you know, Europe hasn't seen it yet, so I want to take it there and, and sell it there as something brand new. And it's really, it still is in season, but I just want it, I w- I want it to be always available and, you know, of course I'll introduce new things. But, yeah, the never-ending summer is where I want it to be and be recognised <laughs> internationally and, and get into the clothing that I was saying and just, just build it. And, and like I said, I'm in no rush, but I'm actually involved in the swim resort show next month. And that was in my five-year goal plan. And, um, I d- you know, did it in, a, in like, not even before my launch party. So oh, wow. I'm just trying to, you know, get into more things like that and, and just be recognised as a cool up-and-coming brand that's sustainable. I would love to see the business and the program to be sustainable. I would love to see the girls in our programs to actually start working with us and um, can produce the garment as well and for them to even come up with their own business idea that could like create change in their own community. But I'm a dreamer and I would love to see global and I would love, I have different um, countries in my heart that I would love to go and replicate like the same program and the same business idea. Like I would love to see it like in India, Cambodia, and yeah, South America as well. Obviously not all within five years. It would be amazing <laughs> if we can do that, if we can get you know, more people on board. But you know, maybe like another country that we can go to and like help out in terms of women empowerment. Yeah. Well, thank you all for coming. Again, Angeline Ambre, Overachievers. Um, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you. And round of applause. Thank Thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And to the Telstra Perth Fashion Festival and the Fashion Council of WA, thank you for having me over again and for doing these seminars that they run all year. So keep checking them out. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you.